1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Berkus, the writer for Winnie City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by E.J. Snyder. E.J., the season is upon us. Finally, it is here, and we have kicked off this season with an amazing guest. I'm very excited. You're very excited. Let's get into this thing.
2: Yeah, I couldn't be happier. We're going to move to a more preview format this year on Bears Over Beers, and as everybody knows by now, it is Bears-Rams for Week 1 And there is no better source for Rams news, I think, probably anywhere than the Athletics' own Jordan Roderick. We have her here. Jordan is, again, the athletic correspondent for the Rams, graduate of the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU, covered Penn State, covered the Panthers for a while, has been the Rams correspondent since May of 2020. And she is also, this is a really cool thing, the winner of the 2021 PFWA, Tara's Paler Emerging Writer Award, a tremendous honor. And We could not be happier than having Jordan Rodriguez to kick off week one. Jordan, how are you?
3: Well, I'm doing really well after that intro. That was like kind of incredible, guys. I, I feel really welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just, uh, I'm a ball of energy right now, I think, as, as we all are just waiting for this thing to get rolling
2: absolutely it's that time everybody's been waiting a long time we've all had our noses in it quite a bit so let's kick it off let's talk about week one uh bears travel to rams we need beverages for this oh we got to do beers and we even told her to bring a beer so (laughs) so excited to jump i know i know we're talking about energy and being excited and i skipped (laughs) beers and you know if i skip beers i'm excited. So. Uh, why don't we let our guest go first with her beverage. JB, you can follow up and I'll take up the rear because I'm obviously in last place here.
3: Yeah. So I was lamenting uh, my local grocery store. does They're out of my favorite. My current favorite right now is Hoppy Poppy. It's uh, from San Figueroa. It's up, uh, or excuse me, not <laughs> San Figueroa. It's from Figueroa Brewing Company up here uh, close to me. I'm, I'm not in Santa Barbara. I'm south, but uh, still close enough to go. I should have gone and picked some up today because my store is out. But um, I was going to have that, but I, I don't have that. Instead, I have on Tequila, um, which I think, you know, uh, might be a little hardcore. But I, uh, I think it's fitting for what I think will be a, a really fun matchup in all of its iterations and all of this history between these two teams schematically. I just think it's going to be so much fun, guys. So uh, I, I'm letting it rip tonight with this.
1: Well, we support you know any type of adult <laughs> beverage on here. I'm not a tequila guy myself, but that's very West Coast. I tried to pull something that was Midwest brewery, but has a West Coast flair. Uh, this is from Off Color Brewing. It's one that I, it's a brewery that I brought brought on before. It's called Bear Bear, uh, B A R E, and then Bear like the bear. And it is uh, an interesting beer. It has is rye beer brewed with juniper berries, and they mm-hmm. use wine barrel staves in in the brewing process so that felt very west coast to me obviously juniper berry feels west coast but also the wine feels very california so uh i am very curious about this the wife bought this uh for me it has great beer art this uh uh, somewhat starving bear uh on on the front (laughs) he is out of food and he is kind of sad and that's kind of how I'm a little worried about what the Bears are going to look like on Sunday night uh, against the the Rams, who seem to be pretty stacked coming into this
2: season. So, EJ, what'd you bring on? Uh, I brought on a new brewery, or new to me. Um, this is from Sea Pine Brewing, and this is about, oh, two or not even two miles south of where the Seahawks play, right up in Georgetown. Um and they've got a nice little brew pub there as well. This is their Mosaic Pale Ale. I haven't had anything from Sea Pine, which is a rarity for a local brewery. I've usually tried something of their offering, so I'm excited to try something new. Um, doesn't have a super uh, Rams Bears theme, but it is very West Coast. And I'm going to take slight offense at the fact that juniper berries and wine staves are West Coast, but um, that <laughs> oh, I'm that, sitting.
3: I'm sitting in a living room filled with wine staves and juniper berries, ironically enough. So, you know <laughs> I, I think it of was Of course you are. I'm sitting on a throne of juniper berries as we speak, actually. So, you know, you just can't see it because my camera's broken. You know, I say, swear you can trust me on that.
2: <laughs> now I'm upset that I don't have a camera image of that because it seems completely reasonable. Those things remind me of my time on the
1: West Coast. You can't, you know, okay. take away my own experience.
2: No, no, your your experience is your own. But uh cheers to both of you, and here's to a tremendous season, no matter how it goes. And yes, it might. Might be a little rough for the Bears, but we'll get into talking about that. So I got a lead off with a Bears connection. have to ask you about the Brandon Staley to Raheem Morris transition. So Staley ran the, the Rams defense at, a, at an elite level last year. It was definitely a step up for them. A tremendous, uh, I'll say, merger of scheme and talent. And I know you just did a focus feature on coach Morris and I just want your predictions for this defense in 2021 and it can, it could be general or specific knowing you it'll probably be specific, but do you think it's going to be better? A little bit of a drop off? How do you see this?
3: Yeah. And I think that's one of the big questions around this group, right? Because you know that the, the talent there is some um, you know, there were some players that departed in free agency. Uh, Michael Brockers was traded. And then you also know that any year where you have the number one defense, you're probably going to statistically deal with some regression. Um, Football outsiders, I think, calls it like the plexiglass principle, which I, you know, stutter over every single time I say it, but it, it's it's just a concept that basically says, you know, when you're really, really good, you have to bend back at some point in order just to spring back up. So uh, that's kind of the way that the, the NFL is built in terms of the way that it tries to drag every team down to eight and eight every season. Um, some, some, A little bit further under that, but we won't get into that. But um, I think, you know, that's what I expect. I do expect some regression, but I think that's a realistic way to look at this. It's not a negative necessarily, because I, I also do believe that Raheem Morris is a really, really good coach. And I believe that he was among, you know, the top candidates to be right for this job specifically and part of that is um, I think Sean McVay believing that he was deep enough in Brandon Staley and then in turn Vic Fangio's playbook to understand some of the ways that this defense can evolve and change Um, and I think Sean McVay hiring Raheem Morris and saying we're going to run the same system but we're going to try to evolve it forward a bit because we know that um, and this you know McVeigh told me this directly when I asked, he's like, we are not naive to the way that teams are studying us on defense. So evolving that forward, but you know, it sounds easy on paper, right? I mean, it doesn't really even sound easy on paper, but it sounds simple enough on paper, but Raheem Morris has never run this system before, you know, he's run some Tampa. He's run a lot of Tampa too. Um, he's been on an offensive coach. He's been a defensive coach. He's been a head coach two times, um, one interim and been just about everywhere and done just about everything, but coming into a system that is not his per se or his creation, and then sort of assimilating to it to the point where he can help evolve it and pull it threads, I think is, that's the big question, right? And you see pieces of it throughout training camp, especially. It's very, very fun to watch some of the things that they were putting together in training camp, particularly with Jalen Ramsey, um, that you certainly did not see in the preseason at all, because I think they played, like, their base the entire preseason, which was the biggest deviation from their actual you know, scheme that any <laughs> team played, you know, it's like crazy, but, um, so they're not going to be doing what they did in the preseason. They're going to be doing the stuff they're doing in training camp. And it was fun to see some of those, um, iterations and some of those wrinkles and the threads that they pulled at, but it's got to work, right. And it's got to move forward and, and you can expect some regression, I think, but in terms of like, at what point in the year do you even out a bit? At what point do you sort of halt that regression, and then become consistent, cohesive. You know, they are very fortunate to continue to retain Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Jordan Fuller's come along. He's going to be wearing their green dot. And, you know, the linebackers look better. They had to scheme around them a lot last year. Um, won't have to do that as much this year. Um, Darius Williams is still Darius Williams. But you're missing John Johnson, who was their field commander last year, and especially important in that sort of too high rotation that they had. Um, you're missing Troy Hill, who was like an all-around player who could unlock some of the movement that Jalen Ramsey did. Um, and you're missing a couple of guys up front and there's some unproven depth there. So I do think it's an interesting question because it's Raheem Morris, sure. And that matters what he will be able to do with it. But it also is um, some of that, th- that personnel loss and, and overcoming that and then having guys sort of grow into their shoes um, game by game. And as time progresses.
1: I like think the interesting thing about Morris, and you had a great piece on him uh, in The Athletic recently, so if you guys haven't read that, make sure you go out and read Jordan's piece. But the interesting thing is he's never been a defensive coordinator before, and so this is new to him as well. I mean, he's been a head coach, but he wasn't a defensive coordinator, and so this will be new for him. And it, it kind of leads me to my next question, and you and talked about McVay. And I was fascinated in the offseason listening to Flying Coach, his podcast mm-hmm. series that he did with Peter Schrager in this offseason for The Ringer. The guys he's only 35 years old, but he's going into like his fifth year with the Rams. He's still the youngest head coach in the league, but he's he already has like a coaching tree established throughout it's the It's a league.
3: shrub. A, he has a it, shrub. I, it's a coaching <laughs> shrub.
1: But it's still incredibly <laughs> impressive that at that young age, he's still the youngest head coach and mm-hmm. he has a shrub that will grow into a tree. And this. You know, oh, Brandon Staley, he plucked Brandon Staley out to be his defensive coordinator, and then Brandon Staley goes on and gets a head coaching job. and now he brings in Raheem Morris, who seems super impressive in his own right. And so I, I th- my question is how are people in the building or around the orbit of the Rams? how do they view McVeigh because there's kind of a national narrative. But when you're a little closer, how are they viewing McVeigh? And what do you think is his the biggest advantage that he brings to the Rams organization?
3: Yeah. One of the things when when they had all of this turnover, I mean, it's not just this year that they've had all this coaching turnover. They lost seven assistant coaches this year, but they've lost coordinators year over year for the last I think it was I think it's been two years. They've they've had to replace every single coordinator. And so except for offensive coordinator carryover this year with Kevin O'Connell. But at least, you know, they've they've had five open jobs over the last two years at the, the key coordinator positions. To, including special teams, which we can never forget about, guys. Um, but because it, it was a disaster last year, I'll tell you that right now. But, um, you know, it, it's been fascinating. That the thing that people in the building continually tell me is, like, Sean McVay knows how to find people that will be good coaches. and He knows how to identify talent. And I think that they – understanding that and recognizing that quality in him, and and I don't have a ton of reason to, to doubt on that. Sure, do I think some of his assistants were – formally you know, promoted into certain things outside of the building, maybe before they were ready. I think you're going to look at a case study of that this year when certain teams start losing games and, and whatnot. But when they're in the building, are they very good at their job? Yes. And so I think that that's, that's been really, really interesting um, is how much autonomy and control that he has in terms of pushing to make those hires. What I think will be important for him moving forward is continuing to develop the coaches who teach what they do best and, and developing them and promoting them into roles that um, that they deserve and that they've earned. And I think two names to watch are Eric Henderson, who coaches their defensive line. He is the one who teaches their gap and a half. You cannot run literally half of the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense um, without a defensive line coach who can effectively teach gap and a half. And and then also the defensive backs coaches, Jero Evero and Jonathan Cooley, they basically and effectively teach, Retaught the language of this defense um, and reiterated the language of this defense, which again you can't have one without the other. So you better have both, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's really, really important. and Those guys are names to watch on the rise, but it will be important for Sean McVay to effectively um, promote those guys when the time comes, because you know I think every a lot of people are expecting and and sort of saying already because because Sean McVay it's like you breathe the same oxygen as him as you and you get like a a head coaching job somewhere and I think people are saying you know if this defense is very good again this year if it's top five defense Raheem Morris is is definitely going to be a head coaching candidate has been a couple of years in a row as a head coaching candidate and should be because I think he's a phenomenal coach but but that's what they're always kind of looking at is not just you know revolving door makes it sound like they're just not doing any good work while they're there because they're doing great work while they're there. And that's part of the, the catch 22 is like, he wants everything that they have to bring and everything that they have to give. But at the same time, it becomes, you know, a little bit detrimental because then you lose them. Right. So I think that, uh, to long, long answer to your question, but I think that it's, that's what they see in him. And that's sort of the, the, um, energy around him is like, this guy can find talent. So we're going to go let him do it. Um, and people in the building, I mean, you saw with the Jared Goff trade, Sean McVay, if it wasn't clear before Sean McVay has a lot of the power and the decision making as it pertains to what he believes the team needs. Um, and he's the one on the phone with, with Stan Kroenke, basically explaining to him why they need to trade for Matthew Stafford, um, and getting, you know, permission to do that. Um, he's the one making that call. And that to me was the most telling sign, not just what the stakes are for him um, in terms of, you know, you made that bet, so it better pay out, um, but also some of the the effects that you see of, of how much power he has within that building.
2: Yeah, he's earned it. There's there's no doubt about it in terms of the success that the Rams have had since he's been in the building, not only on the field, but but also with coaches, with developing players. Like it's it's working um and it is you do become a little bit of a victim of your own success uh and and i appreciate that approach from mcveigh in that he can go find the talent and he does want to maximize it and he's not afraid of that he's not trying to hide anybody he's saying do the best you can do and go get yours and i'll do it again right i'll i'll go find another one Mm -hmm. Um,
1: yeah my hot take is that he's got fresh ingredients with these new coaches coming in and that just makes him like the hottest restaurant in town, right? Oh yeah. So yeah.
3: Yeah. You I'm and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's absolutely right. true. Um, here's someone, you know, it's Brandon Staley's a great example of this. Sean McVay wanted the same poison that continued to to beat him. And he, what he found in Brandon wasn't just, you know, everyone always talks about the the six one and the five one and all that and all no, he also wanted the coverage concepts because they understood that all of these collegiate concepts are very slow, but are continuing to matriculate throughout the league. And that's what he wanted, but he didn't, first of all, he didn't want anyone else to have it. And second of all, he wanted it in his own building so that he could run his offense against it every single day and figure out all of its nooks and crannies. Um, instead of having it, you know, once a year against the bears, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's, it's fascinating to me that that part of it is fascinating to me. And it goes to your point, JB. It's like, it's not just about him identifying talent. It's about him introducing catalytic factors into his own system. That's what the Rams. And, and, and you know, I know it sounds like, you know, overexcited or whatever, but I'm, I'm serious. That's what the, that's what these guys do on the, on the business side, on the front end in terms of personnel, you see it when they make the trades that they do um, and people scratch their heads about like what, you know, the big picture of those and then the cap and all of those things Um, but they understand that the, these things like the plexiglass principle, which I didn't stutter over that time, which is great. Um, but they understand me. Yeah, I know. It's like the, the reverse effect, right? Um, they understand these things like that, where you have to force catalytic factors into your environment in order to evolve and they could fail disastrously, Right. We don't know yet if Matthew Stafford will work out. We don't know about, you know, any of these things. I think we're pretty clear on the fact that the Jalen Ramsey trade worked out. I think we're good on that. But in terms of this other stuff, like you just don't know. And so I think, but but they're but they're saying we're, we need to do this because the other option is kind of getting dragged down where so many others are. And if you don't continue to push like that in this league, then you will get left behind at some point. And that's what that's what they believe. This you know that's not necessarily my words. That's that's what I truly believe that they believe.
2: No, there's evidence of that, we'll say on grass, because the job McVay did prior to last season is incredible. Right? He he got whooped. Right? It mm-hmm. didn't work out. And he didn't go away and double down and say, no, I was right. It just, it wasn't the execution or I didn't have the right. He he said, why did I get whooped and went back to the base, right? He stripped a lot of things out. And to your point, you called those catalytic factors. And I love that, right? That he, he said, why did I get whooped? Where can I get me some of that? Right. How -hmm. can I change my program so that I don't get whooped by that? Because he had the. I'll say honesty, right? The honesty and self-criticism to say, "Mm, it's not that I'm the smartest guy in the room and everybody can't follow me. This didn't work, right? We thought it would work. It was best laid plans. We worked as hard as we could. It didn't work very clearly and comes back and has a season like last year, which was in no way guaranteed. And it was because he did pull from so many different influences. He did change so many things. and the point, I think it's one of the things that folks that follow the league less intensely don't understand is they think there's more carryover from year to year, but you'll hear coaches say it. You'll hear GM say it, players say it. It's a different team every year. It's not that we are always good at blank. Like we were good at blank last year, but we lost these people in free agency. To your point, we lost all these coaches, right? We need to do a different thing. And McVeigh seems to be a master of that to me, to be able to say, nope, we're going to change it up every year and we're going we're to push that envelope of change. And to your point, there's no assurances that all that's going to work. And that's, that is a fascinating dynamic um, to watch you know, uh, from afar. So, John Johnson, you talked about him, and he was a pre-draft favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, He moved to Cleveland as a free agent. We're not even going to talk about the Cleveland secondary because it's just ridiculously (laughs) loaded. They have folks (laughs) on their third string that could be starters on probably a third of the teams in the league. Certainly the Bears. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Cleveland's third string in a heartbeat. but you talked about Jordan Fuller as well. And Jordan Fuller was a guy that caught my eye at the combine. Everybody says the combine doesn't really matter. And I watch individual drills at the combine more than I watch uh, any of the athletic testing. And Jordan Fuller was one of three guys that I said, "Hmm, he moves interestingly. Like he got used interestingly at Ohio state, but man in individual drills, he looks like he's got it together, goes to the Rams, puts together some good plays on tape and now has ascended in John Johnson's absence to wearing that green dot, How do you think that transition is going to go? Because the secondary was so good last year. John Johnson was a big part of that. And now Jordan Fuller, not the biggest name in that secondary is wearing the green dot. How do you think that's going to go for the Rams this year?
3: Yeah, it's such a, um, it's going to be fascinating to watch it because teammates just love this guy and think that he is just absolutely brilliant. And, and, you know, they, everyone spoke of and still speaks of in the building, John Johnson and basically like reverent tones, right? Because what John Johnson did that I always like to bring up because it's so underrated and they, they've installed that defense, this brand new defense that, you know, pretty much nobody else in the league was running in totality. You know, obviously we'll, we talk about the bears running lots of parts of it. um, But in totality, this defense that they saw, only on zoom for the entire first part, except for two weeks of onboarding. And I don't think that Brandon Staley can install that as well with all of these defensive guys buying in so totally, um, without John Johnson, John Johnson basically understood this defense at its core and applied it in live action on the field, um, so well that he was commanding that secondary right right out of the gate, wearing the green dot right out of the gate, and that to me is like such an underrated thing. That um, you know, I, I don't know if he's actually going to be calling signals in, in Cleveland. I don't think he is, and not. I, I think that's a really weird decision, in my opinion. I know that they don't run the same type <laughs> of stuff, but like he, he the dude's brilliant. And so now Jordan Fuller, I think, is is sort of in that same vein where, um, personalities are very, they're very different. I would say that John Johnson, you always knew where he was at any time. He's so outgoing and, and Jordan Fuller is kind of, he, he just some, if he were to, if he and John Johnson were both to walk into a room together, you would definitely know John Johnson was there first. And then a ways later, you'd know Jordan Fuller was in there and that's not a a detriment. He kind of just, it's very like, Safety esque, right? He just kind of assesses the situation that he's in and figures out um, the space that he's in and then applies himself to it. And I think that um, that's just a really fascinating quality that the Rams, I don't know, I'm trying to find this out. Like, what kind of personality tests do they run for these guys, for example? (laughs) Like, um, in terms of the deep scouting stuff, the the big factor with Jordan Fuller was the GPS data. And they knew that they were going to be playing from depth because obviously Brandon Staley came in the building in January and they're like, you know, probably three quarters of the way through their draft process, but none of the big things have happened yet, right? So some of that stuff that he did at Ohio State was playing from depth, obviously, and understanding the way that he could move, particularly when you play from depth in that regard and understanding those concepts, he just really as Brandon Staley would say, he just really expressed himself in that system. And Cooper Cup likes to say that he just does freaky things all the time at practice. And it's, it's cool to watch because you you see him and you see how close he is to making like the huge play, but he pulls up at the last second. Cause he can't, you can't hit your own teammate and you just see, you're like, Oh my God, that would have been something incredible. And, but then you just, you're like, Oh man. So, so those things I think will express themselves later on down the road, but in terms of the communication, I don't think that, you know, once they put that sticker on his helmet, he did not miss a beat. And Raheem Morris is, I think, in some of the traditionalist vein that we see across the the league, you know, it's oftentimes a middle linebacker. The Rams do not usually uh, always keep one middle linebacker on the field, and particularly like with those light boxes and they prefer extra DBs and all this stuff, you – you're not going to necessarily always have one linebacker on the field commanding that, that defense. And then also your safety can just see more. I mean, it's just basic geography, right? You're behind everybody yeah. and you can see more. So I think balancing um, having an effective vocality where you can communicate loudly enough from depth while also maybe not giving stuff away, I actually think that was their main thing that they were trying to figure out how to do uh, with Jordan Fuller through the spring. And um, I I think he's going to be a fascinating player to watch as he continues to grow.
1: I think you might be onto something, Jordan, with the personality types that play corner, the personality types that play safety. Some of my favorite guys to listen to from like how they diagnose the game or safeties, um, because they do see the whole field and it's a very mm-hmm. different mentality. So you, you might be onto something. There might be a might be a story there. I have to follow up on a bear, former bear Leonard Floyd. The Bears rescinded his fifth year option, let him walk out the door, handed a rather large and uh, I think regrettable contract to Robert Quinn uh, as a result of letting Floyd walk, and he played incredibly well last year for the Rams. And the Rams, I thought the Rams were just going to use a one year rental bring in somebody else to play that role uh, like they did with Dante Fowler the year before and just kind of keep churning out comp picks and you know letting letting people get rich playing next to Aaron Donald but they decided to bring Floyd back and so I'm curious what do you what did you see out of Floyd last year and what does he bring to this team uh for 2021?
3: Yeah and it's his journey is so fascinating to me to watch, right? Because you don't ever really get much out of him, right? In my Raheem Morris profile that I did, he I described him as like very enigmatic, right? Because he's so, you just can't, he's just, he's quiet. Like this is how I always, I, I very simply described him. He's like, oh, he's so quiet. You know, he's just quiet. And Raheem Morris describes him as uh, just to himself. He's of to himself. And, and I thought that really cut it to the core because, you know, just because somebody is quiet does not mean that they are, assessing and evaluating, you know, every scenario and how they want to respond to it. And so I think that in a larger picture, it's Leonard Floyd sort of coming into his own and being maybe himself as he wants to be. And then seeing starting with Brandon Staley, who really pushed for the Rams to sign him in the first place last year, Seeing something else in him, and then Raheem Morris carrying carrying that over, and and saying, you know what, we're just going to ask you to be entirely who you are on the field, off the field. Um, we're not going to bug you too much. We're just going to like let you do your thing and and have you be exactly who you are. And so part of that was um, starting to realize and understand that his skill set developed into a guy who can play every single down for them, not just the pass rush downs, um, certainly not situational stuff, but someone who can just be dependable and reliant and effective and explosive for them. Um, whether he's in the pass rush or whether he is, you know, affecting the run game and they really love how he plays mobile quarterbacks guys. Like he, he's very lanky as you yeah, know, but somehow crazy, he yeah. like, be, somehow he be also kind of becomes wide wide when he like his lateral strides and things when he's pushing a, like a kyler murray out to the out to the edge um it, it just is really interesting to watch and he, he kind of he compared it after he signed his contract we were asking him about um you know how do you defend mobile quarterbacks and he's he basically said it was like chasing rabbits i was like that is frightening like <laughs> it's
2: like so true so though you're the, so, you're the, so Georgia, you're the fox though,
3: right? yeah so you're yeah. the fox then yeah so, yeah. um, it, it's just, is it interesting. And so, um, obviously, you know, huge year for him to prove that he can sort of live up to that contract. I think that's every time someone, uh, signs a deal of that magnitude, you always have that question. Can they live up to that contract? Um, so I think that's the big question, but I expect him to play exactly the same role in terms of their scheme. Um, And Raheem Morris is, is really all about guys with length in the length of frame and in the pass rush and on the edges. And um, so I think that now they finally also have someone opposite him in Justin Hollins, who does have that length and athleticism, but you know, is, is someone who can maybe stay on the field a little bit more than some of their guys did last year.
2: Yeah. Floyd's a fascinating guy. I did a a pre-draft profile of him on windy city gridiron. Before the Bears drafted him, Bears ended up drafting him, and he was always judged on sacks in Chicago because he was drafted so highly. And if you go back and look at the the top 15, 18 picks in that draft, it was a it was a rough draft. Um, And. Like he did so many other things, and we always talked about that. That he had Mm -hmm. so many values within that Fangio defense, within that role of contain. He played the run well, and um, he was very close to a lot of sacks, got some pressures, but never ended up with the big sack numbers. And of course, the first year he goes. To the Rams, he gets these huge sack numbers, and everybody then, of course, in Chicago says, Oh, we don't know how to coach him, or you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. And you know, maybe, maybe there's a point to that, but Floyd was a fascinating guy from a player standpoint, and it'll be really interesting to see that transition from Staley, who pushed for him, to Morris, who mm-hmm. uh, believes in the traits that he has, and seeing if that continues to translate.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, one point too is like by paying him to me, that says. Um, obviously yes, we would be, uh, you know, remiss to not always factor in the Aaron Donald effect, right? Like sure. he is always going to make your edge rushers better, <laughs> but at the same time, the fact that they paid him to me was the, the loudest message of all that they believed that Leonard Floyd is, is so much more than the pass rush and does so much more on every down than the pass rush because they could have, they could have let him walk. They really could have, and they, that's their model that they, you know, they bring in sort of a veteran guy who has a little bit left to prove, stick him next to Aaron Donald's, you know, and then profit. Right. But then with Leonard Floyd, they said, uh, they decided to pay him saying that these are all these extra things that are worth this, that we hope are worth this money um, in our regard, even though we know that you are benefiting from playing next to Aaron Donald.
2: Yeah. It's a, Fascinating study and it was unexpected. It's big money. So speaking of big money, uh, we're pretty familiar with Matthew Stafford as Bears fans. Another guy that uh, did a lot of good work for his previous team and was, uh, in our opinion, slightly underrated. Plenty has been said about his move to the Rams. Plenty has been said about his move <laughs> So to the Rams.
3: much. Oh my God. So much. So
2: much. Uh, but I wanted your thoughts on the Stafford edition kind of as a whole. And, and you can pick a specific piece that you think is really important, or you can just say overall, I think it's this and this.
3: Yeah. I think um, one of the things that most compounded Sean McVay's frustrations last year uh, were kind of a combination of the turnover factor, the fact that he by proxy of his quarterback and a lot of by proxy of what they were running in that system with that quarterback had been figured out. And you know, it was Vic Fangio who did it, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think Sean Desai, by the way, as an offshoot, I think is going to do some really, really cool things with with this defense. I I was like, I put him on the list of coordinators that Sean should hire, actually, um, it, along Can with Raheem, along have. with Raheem Morris, who I think yeah. is going to be great, but Desai, I think, is is very, very much an up and coming guy um, who will establish himself quickly, but. Th- those things compounded the frustration, right? And then they went to a small ball approach, and it made things worse in a way, almost, because the turnovers were still happening, even with all the built-in sort of help and and reliance on the the high probability plays. And you have these you know, receivers who are catch and run guys, and you're bringing your tight ends in in, in line more, and um, you're doing different things that just basically are supposed to make things easier and they are just not easy on any snap. It just does not feel easy. It doesn't look easy. And so I think part of that was with Matthew Stafford, when things are not easy and they don't look easy and they don't feel easy, You, I believe that Sean McVay feels that he can then have a conversation with Matthew Stafford about it as a partnership that collaborates on a solution. And I think those are some of the things that um, are, have become important to him as his career has unfolded in terms of, um, someone you can collaborate and build with instead of someone you can, uh, someone you're just sort of lecturing all the time, you know? And, and, and so that's part of it. The other part of it is, uh, I do think Matthew Stafford prior probably to this off season in which the sort of hype machine became out of control at this point prior, but I do think he was perennially underrated in terms of, not his numbers, whatever, but what he could do with the football in his hand, um, the way that he has the arm angles going for him, um, he's just got a really savvy way of negotiating the pocket and and coverages and um, manipulating defensive backs and um, able to do things post snap, which I think is one of the again one of the number one things that you're going to have to do as a quarterback to avoid being exposed. Now that I believe the Fangio Staley people are going to be trying to play a lot more than that. Uh, A lot more of that than they were uh, in the past couple of years. If they're not playing that, I think they're trying to play a lot more cover seven concepts than they were the last couple of years. I just think that you have to have a quarterback now who will not be exposed by some of that, like what, you know, what, what quarterbacks call is like muddiness in front of them with the coverage. Right. So that's, that's the main thing, right? I, I think it's going to be, I, I, I'm one of the few people maybe, and you know, Rams fans, I know you're listening to this. Please don't hate me for saying this. I think it's going to be kind of messy at first at times. Sure. And I think that's fair because, you know, this guy's learning this offense for the first time. And also, by the way, the offense is changing from what it was. So it's a, it's a group project and everybody's got to bring a sharpened pencil to the table. Right. And, you know, I, I think that it, that's, That's something that manifests itself, you know, three, four games in, but in the beginning, I'm not sure it's going to look the best at times. But I think that what you see and what you will be able to see is the evolution of concepts, the evolution of ideas and the troubleshooting in real time that was sort of lacking in the past. And I think that's what's really important.
1: Yeah, always good to hammer the unders early on in the season as right, the yeah. get stuff gets figured out. But <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because as it, a as a Bears fan watching Stafford over the years with the Lions, the Lions are basically kind of a uh, just a franchise that really hasn't had it figured out in a very long time. It'll be charitable on how to describe it. And a lot of <laughs> Bears fans have a have a super negative opinion about Stafford. They, oh, he's just he's just a, a stat pad or, you know stat. Stat Padford is what people like to call it. whatever. Oh my God,
3: like, that's where that comes from. That yep. was yeah. in my. I've seen that before. Yeah. I was like, "What the heck and is it, this?" It's yeah. so
2: misguided, it's so <laughs>
1: wrong. Uh, because this guy is so good. Like, the, I mean, he, obviously he was a number one overall pick. He he. Has been in I don't know how many different defense uh, how many different offenses he's been in in Detroit over the years so he's constantly new, learning new things uh, there's so much turnover and he is competitive like he was a guy that can make plays out of structure he's a guy that has an arm that can make the throws to all spots in the field like he's incredibly talented I think he seems like a really smart football guy and he's gritty he's tough I mean he has a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks he you know he has taken that team and pulled them to wins now. The Lions have had a lot of wins uh, when he was there, but a lot of those were, I think, just because of Stafford sometimes and his pure ability. And so I'm fascinated by taking this guy that I think is a top 10 quarterback and pairing him with one of the best offensive minds in the game today. And so now you have the two ingredients that I think you have to have to be a legitimate contender in this league, which is a coach that you believe in and a quarterback that you can believe in. And I see this team as a potential Final Four team, meaning that I think this is a conference championship contender out of the gate right now. Am I kind of outsized in my expectation? Like, what's the discourse around this team since this move was made to have Stafford in the building?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he's been there for years right now. And I'm Mm. not saying that in terms of like the way that the offense looks like you can see him stacking blocks together. And like when you stack Lego blocks together, sometimes when you get up to take, you know, a water break, you're going to step on one and it's going to suck. So that's kind of what they're doing right now is they're learning and making mistakes. They're building there's they're making mistakes and they're learning from them and solving them. And so I think that that's the reality of what this is. And to me that translates so much more in terms of the longevity of the season that translates so much more and, and is such a more important um, sort of factor of measurement than sort of this, the expectations, the MVP chatter, you hear the, the yardage chatter. I think I just saw recently uh, with the extra game, you know, to me, that's what tells me that this team could be very dangerous down the stretch because at a certain point you have put it together and at a certain point you do have a feel for each other and at a certain point you have that sort of um, live action troubleshooting methodology happening and I think that's that's what sets these guys apart in terms of if I'm considering you know a playoff run now I, by nature, am an optimist, so I do say that without factoring in the obvious, which is um, I don't think that they're doing well in terms of their depth on the offensive line. They moved, they changed centers with three days left in Irvine at training camp. Um, they are, I think Andrew Whitworth, we start to like measure units of time in Whitworth's because he is going to be playing until the rest of us are, are very old and gray, but you know, you still always have to factor that in and you know, the injuries at running back are not to be taken lightly, I think. Um, and so, and we still don't know how that's going to look. So I think that they have so much of the ingredients there and they, I do think they have the ability also to put it together especially down the stretch, especially after they work out some of those things. And and you hate to think, you know, this team's a, a meniscus or an ACL away from from catastrophe in some phases. Um, but at the same time, uh, you can't not consider it, you know. But I think on paper, when you look at the potential here, I, I do think that they're a, a deep playoff team for sure.
2: Yeah, Stafford is a guy that uh, clearly always the second best quarterback in the NFC North. And that's not a backhanded compliment, right? He's, he's only behind a guy that is a shoe in for the hall of fame. And he didn't get a lot of credit because the lions teams were rough around him. And as you've mentioned already several times in this podcast, it is about the sum of those pieces coming together and quite frankly, how quickly they gel I almost think the Rams situation this season is almost like the reverse of when Matt LaFleur came to Green Bay and we mm-hmm. predicted a pretty slow start. The quarterback was the seasoned one and the coach was new. And now you've got a seasoned coach and a quarterback who's new to the system, not new to the league. And it's about how quickly that conversation gels and and all those building blocks get stacked in the right place and all those lessons get pushed forward into the season you said it on defense as well with those changes it's about how quickly this team comes together in its current iteration players coaches schemes understanding and that's where i think la is a seriously dangerous team down the stretch because the first And again, it's how fast they do it. Maybe it's the first two weeks. Maybe it's the first four. Maybe it's the first six or eight if they're really slow. But in the back half of the season, they're not just going to be a tough out. Like the idea of Matt Stafford throwing to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup alone is (laughs) scary. Like I do (laughs) not want to play them in the second half of the season because that is a really good trio, like an excellent trio all the way around. So. We've talked a lot about the big names, we have talked about Aaron Donald, Floyd, Stafford. Is there a player on the Rams that we hear very little about, but you think could have a really significant impact this year?
3: Yeah, and I I I want to believe, guys. I want to believe this cuz <laughs> he's like he's the the best person and he's easy to sort of root for even as a, you know, unbiased media member, but like Van Jefferson, I'm just he's on the cusp, yes, yeah. right? Do you, do you have him on your fantasy team? <laughs> no, no, I no, just it's like not him. A fantasy oh, thing. We, guys, uh, so, this is this this podcast is the Van Jefferson space. Like y-
2: okay, <laughs> you're, you're on the bus <laughs> behind bootleg. So uh, my other podcast, bootleg football with Brett Coleman, was started at the senior bowl. Like we met at the senior bowl that Van Jefferson was at, and we're sitting around you know, having drinks and, and the conversation at the senior bowl between anybody that's there, I don't care who they are is always, who do you like, who do you like, who's your guy, right? Who's, who's the guy. And right. It's about this conversation, right? Somebody that maybe isn't the top 10, you know, you don't want to pull out somebody in the top 10. It's like, I saw this guy and I really like this. And one of the first guys that Brett and I came together on was Van Jefferson. And it was all about route running. And so bootleg became a Van Jefferson stan podcast. And um, I, I'm super excited that you pulled his name out of the hat because, yes, we believe in, in what Van Jefferson could do.
3: Yeah, it's it's been really fun to watch him in camp. Like it was fun last year to watch him in camp. I think he came to camp so prepared. And um what was also interesting as a side note was last season watching Jalen Ramsey actually kind of took Van Jefferson under his wing and did a lot of release work with him. Um, worked a lot against him in the red zone and and the two of them like actually went pound for pound in the red zone on a couple of occasions. That's when I was like, all right, this. <laughs> this guy is, you know, let's, let's keep an eye on him. But obviously when you're a rookie, especially when you're a receiver in this, in this offense, first of all, you're not going to get as many looks as Cooper cup and Robert Woods. And second of all, it is so hard to be a receiver in this offense because of the responsibility and the parameters of your role. You're not just learning you're, you're first of all, wherever you are, you're learning a full tree. And then there's all the blocking concepts. And then you have to learn the rules of the offense, which are very, very specific and, and like, Frighteningly, you know, frighteningly specific in some ways about, you know, different things that you can do. And then you're also running things off of what, a, you know, Cooper Cup is doing. And, and we know he's got so many choice concepts built in that you're also like leveraging what you do off of what you think he's going to do. And it's just all of these things are so complicated for a rookie, right? When you don't have a training camp. Well, this time, Van Jefferson had a training camp. And not only did I see him. You know, lining up as sort of a quote unquote X, which the Rams don't really like naming somebody their ex essentially. They kind of everybody's shifting and moving and playing a lot of different things. um but running a really full book in in my opinion. and then also some of the the um connection stuff that he and Matthew Stafford were developing was really fun to watch. And I think there's something there. And normally I I don't get like overly enthusiastic about guys before the the season starts because I'm very um, cautious in terms of, and you'll you'll get this from me when it's time to make predictions. I'm always like, ah, well, I don't know. Maybe this could happen or this could happen. But with Van Jefferson, I, I think there's so much potential there. I think it's a huge misconception when people say that he's just the same guy as Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I think he is totally different. And you, I, I'm telling you, my Twitter mentions, guys, I'm telling you. But like, it's such a misconception to me because he can do different things, but he can also complement them in different ways. And so I think especially when they they spread things out wider, they stretch the field, they, they get a lot more into the explosive air yards passes with Matthew Stafford. It's going to be a huge element of their game that's a guy to watch and, um, he is putting it together. And, and I very much believe that. And you can see, you could see it happening in real time this time around. Cause again, we got a full training camp to watch these guys. And, um, I, I was thrilled for him cause, um, he, he's a great dude, um, really great to deal with. Um, and, and, and I, I just think that he, he could be, um, a sleeper, but I don't, I don't think he'll be a sleeper for very long.
1: He needs the volume to be fantasy relevant, but uh, we certainly <laughs> like him in terms of somebody. If you if you do want to have some space at the end of your bench on a fan, this isn't a fantasy pod, but if you want to have some uh, space at the end of your bench, I, I like him. Now, I had a question here that I was going to ask you about, which was totally setting you up to talk about the offensive line and and maybe the lack of depth in offensive line, and of course the Cam Akers injury at running back. Um, in terms of areas. Uh, of the Rams roster that you might be a little worried about you kind of already addressed that and Mm -hmm. so I'm going to kind of shift my question a little bit and and talk about the way that you've described the defense is like two solar systems with Aaron Donald you read that
3: oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) I know my camera's broken you can't see me but I am I'm like blushing really and flattered thank you so much
1: well, I thought that that was a really uh, great way to put it. And so you so see you have Jalen Ramsey and you have Aaron Donald and and they they sort of center these two different orbits. So I kind of wanted to just talk more about how you came up with that and 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 how that describes and who are the key players maybe in those orbits that would really mm-hmm. hurt. Obviously, if Aaron Donald misses time, that's a huge blow. If Jalen Ramsey missed time, that's a huge blow. But who's somebody else that like, oh boy, that would really hurt this team if, if he missed some time?
3: Yeah, and... Like I wish I had some sort of like, you know, I was in Joshua Tree and it came to me, you know. But like I, I really just a lot of it is is like I, uh, for a lot most of my life, it's the majority of my life. Actually, it's it's been me sort of trying to learn another language without a dictionary, and so a lot of times, and I tell coaches this all the time when I interview them. And have had really great conversations with coaches about this type of thing, because they work with players who have different learning styles. And for me, it's not a lack of willingness to learn or want to learn or, or um, energy to learn. It's just that sometimes I don't, I don't have like the the baseline of a word that then builds to another word, to another word, to another word. As someone who never played football, as someone who kind of was on peering on the other side of the glass, like desperately trying to get in for a, a large time in my life, and, and we won't get into any of that. But but at the same time, it's I, I, I see it in my brain, and I don't always have the words for it. And one thing I really appreciate about working for the Athletic is that they let me try to find those words. So I want I want to say like you know, this is the new thing. And a coach told me how to describe this concept, but really that's just how I see it in my brain because I do see it. Everything in that, in that front revolves around Aaron Donald. It's not just the typical, he's their star player. Every, everything revolves around him. It's actually, it literally does like he is, he is the core, the anchor point of anything. It, the run game runs through him. Um, anything that you want to do, is predicated on his ability and what he can do for you um, as not just one player, but as basically two and a half players on the field at any time. And so you are smart when you rotate your system around him and it quite literally, um, I think if you were going to look at like an all 22, but speed it up to like seven times the speed and only look at the front, you would literally see ellipses like rotating around him like a solar system. And so that's what they're doing with Jalen Ramsey in the back half as well. And for me, the coolest thing about this defense—and again, like Vic Fangio did it, does it? Uh, Sean Desai, I know will do it. Um, They—it's where the two solar systems intersect. Um, that's kind of where John Johnson would play, right? In that right. sort of like center of the Venn diagram, and you're commanding from there. Um, and then in all the points that the ellipses, they're not com- complete circles, right? In the solar system, it's, it's, it's an oval, right? So all the points around, all those spaces, that's where the quarterback's trying to put the ball. And so that's where these other playmakers, if they understand that vision and they're playing with that scheme in mind, that yes, everything is rotating in sort of these patterns and intersecting at this one point or these two points, you the quarterback is putting the ball there and that's where I can go make a play. And it's not going to take me, you know, being two and a half players or being an Aaron Donald or being a Jalen Ramsey to get there because I can do that by, by sheer fact of understanding what I'm doing and understanding where the quarterback is going with the ball. And so like, I wish that I, I wish that I was like, yeah, I saw page 53 of the playbook. And this is how they describe it. But at the same time, it's like, that's how I understand it. And so, um, to me, like that's the, that's the smartest thing that this defense does. Not just again, not just what Brandon Staley did. Definitely what Vic Vangio started. Definitely what, I, and I'll repeat it again, like, cause I know Bears fans are like, Sean Desai, take a shot. Right. But like, I, I think that that's the, the, um, ingenuity and, and the, um, the fascinating thing about this defense is that it allows players to be in those types of situations, um, and, and it kind of paints a really cool picture I think
2: I love everything about that Jordan I love the words in the description the descriptions of learning styles the way to make something that is uh, hugely complicated and largely inaccessible to the average fan more accessible there there isn't anything about that entire description that I don't just love.
3: I know you guys got me you got first you you, you teed me up with Van Jefferson and I got really excited talking about Van Jefferson. And then JB was like, I read this in one of your articles. And I was like, oh, my God. And then you guys talked to me about solar systems. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're, this is we're the hitting best. all the high
2: notes. Yeah, we're hitting all the best. high notes. We're prepped. That's right.
3: I love it. This is the best.
2: So we've been talking a lot about the Rams, and rightfully so, because that's, that's where you spend your life, quite literally. Um, I wanted to ask you about two players on the Bears that worry you the most, one on offense and one on defense. Take your pick.
3: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, this is obviously the, the answer everyone will give, but I, I'm not really convinced that Justin Fields won't play. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think Sean McVay is also not super convinced that he won't play. And and they are, you know, practicing and, and working as if. Um, but I think just the, the concept of having um, – another wrinkle in that regard. Um, You know, I I don't know if I would call him yet as the most concerning part of of the offense, because again, we've got to see him play a a full game. I was really high on Justin Fields um, entering the draft, and I think he is going to be an absolutely special player. A lot of teams will be kicking themselves for not having him on their rosters. But At the same time, um, I think just the concept of there's something unknown that you have to prepare for, not necessarily what the player can do or what you believe he can or can't do, the concept of there's something out there looming that you don't quite have an answer for because you don't know what it looks like. And that, to me, is one of the the more dangerous things. And I know this is not exciting an exciting answer on the other side, but I think in general, like sure, Sean McVay went against this system every single day last year and learned all about the the binders full of tendencies and all of these different things that that this defense um, has as a staple. but i I still think schematically, like this is not it's not like his offense was out there winning practices against this thing last year, you know. So instead of maybe just like one player specifically, I think I would actually just pick Did the, the, the measuring test of, did you learn what you thought you learned last year? And I think that's the, the biggest thing to be watching for me, um, not just on the offensive side, but then especially on the defensive side. Did you learn what you, you, you were so smart, smarter than everybody else to go out and get this and bring it into your building and learn how it works. And sort of like get under the hood a little bit and see all the little intricacies and the tendencies. But do you really know in live action, do you really know how this thing's going to go? And I think uh, I know it's not, you know, as sexy as picking like two specific guys. But I I do think that that's the biggest thing to watch um, coming up on Sunday.
1: Well, Eddie Jackson has experience. Oh my gosh. Stafford, he's so good. Will Mack so good. has experience. <laughs> They're so good. Matt Stafford. So if yeah. the Bears have any chance. That might be yeah. Matthew
3: Stafford's answers. I think those would be his answers Probably. as Eddie Jackson and Cleo and Mack. But yeah, I, I think uh, conceptually that's, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think.
2: I actually think it's in that order, and I'm glad you brought up Jackson's name because I think a lot of people around the league would bring up Mac's name first, and they're not wrong for that. He's he's a danger in any game, but Eddie Jackson had an incredibly down year last year. He owned up to that this week in the press and said, I'm not really going to hide it. It was just a down year. I have high expectations for myself, and I didn't meet him, and I'm not going to say anything except it was a down year, and I, I expect to do better. Desai has worked with Eddie Jackson since he entered the league. He's been Mm -hmm. with the Bears for six years. He knows about all the best things that Eddie Jackson can do and has done. And if you think he's not priming him for a return, like that's the wild card is Eddie Jackson making a couple of Eddie Jackson plays from a couple of years ago. Those are the kind of things that can turn games because when he gets the ball in his hand, he has return experience from, well, (laughs) from his time in the pros, (laughs) certainly from his time at alabama as well and he's a dangerous guy he's an offensive player with the ball in his hands and that's the kind of thing that could take what might not be a close game and turn it into a much closer game in a hurry so uh i love that answer but uh we got to check in on the drinks and then we're gonna let you out of here we said we're gonna keep you for about half as long and we've kept you for twice this i know this
3: is so fun uh, though thank you guys for having me for sure it's been it's been great
2: we will it, you know, it'll be another while until the Bears play uh the Rams, but uh maybe maybe we'll have you back in between because you're pretty smart on things beside the Rams as well. So <laughs> how did tequila treat you?
3: Um it's good. I'm I'm very much uh taking my time with it. Uh if I were, you know, out with friends, they'd probably make fun of me for, for nursing it. Um, but You know, it is a Tuesday, (laughs) so yeah, but it's it's good. It's really I like this kind. I like this brand, it's very smooth, um, very sippable, I would say.
0: Yeah, I appreciate
1: that. Take my time with the drinks and let everybody else get out in front. And uh I enjoy what I'm drinking, and this is no exception. This beer was pretty different, but good. I don't know how many rye beers I've had, but mm. it's enjoyable. I mean, I certainly like rye whiskey, uh, so rye, the rye flavor profile is up my alley. But uh, you can taste a little bit of the juniper. It's not like it tastes like a gin or anything like that. And then I did taste a little sweetness from that wine barrel stave uh, agent. Nice. So it is a pretty nice beer. It's definitely different, uh, but something to try if you can get it. I mean, Off Colors, Chicago Brewery, so I don't know what their distribution looks like. But if you see it,
2: pick one up.
3: Nice. It sounds good to me. It sounds like something I'd like for sure.
2: Good. Well, the Sea Pine was fantastic. My first offering again from them as well. Love the Mosaic Hop choice for pale ale. Uh, Very clean, very drinkable. Um, so maybe when the Rams play the Seahawks and you come to town, I'll take you to sea pine and buy you one of these Jordan, but I can't thank you enough for taking time with us, uh, tonight to preview the week one opponent, but just really to give everybody an insight to the work you do, um, to football as a whole, uh, lots of our listeners are familiar with Matt Stafford and are interested in that journey as well. So, um, just a wealth of of knowledge and a hell of a lot of fun. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank
3: Thank you you guys so much for having me. I so enjoyed the conversation and I wish that, uh, you know, I was on the road going to Chicago instead, so we could all meet up and, and talk more ball and all of that. But, um, you guys have been such welcoming hosts. I appreciate the work you do. Um, and, and I can't wait for the next time.
2: Speaking Absolutely. of work, where can everybody find yours?
3: Oh yeah, so you guys can anybody who's listening, you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. Um, I think this is a very cool app that has my name right there <laughs> in the in the handle right there, um, and you can find me at the Athletic. Um, I do mostly Ram stuff. Sometimes they pull me in, uh, fortunately, for some big picture stories. Um, got one of those coming out this week that I think Bears fans will be very interested in. And you can catch myself and my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Uh, we co-host the 11 Personnel podcast. And of course, it could not be named any other thing. So <laughs> we thought maybe for a minute uh, in 20, 2019, 2020, might be able to shift the name to 12 Personnel, but uh, no such <laughs> no such luck. Sorry, Tyler Higbee, So,
1: <laughs> Jordan,
2: amazing stuff. Really appreciate the time. Awesome. So that was Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic, one of the best writers covering football today, and I don't think that's hyperbole or overstatement. And and I specifically left young out of the title. I hear that a lot uh, in her description. It has nothing to do with her age. She is one of the most fantastic storytellers, and she gets to the heart of things in a way that very few other writers do. So could not be more privileged to have her on. Um, so we're going to go final thoughts. We're going to talk a little let bit. Me,
1: let me, let me just jump in though. EJ, because yeah, absolutely. When she talked about how she talks about the game. I mean, I think about that stuff a lot and, and I think about how we do that on this show and how I can do that better in my writing. And because I don't want to put up more barriers between how I see the game or the insights that I might have. And, Someone who's coming into it um, casually and might get frustrated by jumping into, well, they're in this personnel and, you know, that, that guy, you know, he's, he's two gap in here, whatever, like, you, you have to kind of explain things in a way that's accessible to more people so that you can pull more people into the game that you know and love. And, and to me, that's more interesting and that's more exciting as someone who wants to talk more about this game. It's not creating more barriers to say like, look at me, I know the verbiage, I know the terminology, um, how smart am I? It's how can I explain this in a way that makes sense to people that aren't going to put in that kind of time, um, that you and I invest in this sport? Um, you know, How do I talk about it so that people can walk away with a really good understanding of what's happening without having to learn that second language like Jordan was talking about?
4: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
2: Yeah, she's fantastic in many ways. And it's echoes of one of our previous guests who we both look up to. And that's Robert Mays. And Robert said to me, I've thought a lot about what I wanted to talk about And I've thought a lot about how I wanted to talk about it over the last year. And you can tell that Jordan thinks about both of those things. What is the story and what is the way to communicate that in a way that the most people will get it and get the most out of it? So we're incredibly lucky to be able to have her on. Let's head on to some of the final thoughts and predictions. Talk a little bit about the Bears here. We talk a lot about the Rams. What are some of your best case scenarios for this game?
1: Well, I want to start off with something that Jordan said at the end, and that is that Sean, And I saw the quote from Sean McVay. Sean McVay saying, I'm not convinced. We're not going to see Justin Fields in this game. I'm sure they're going to have a package. Correct. And and I – all right. That's Sean McVay putting himself in that position and saying, like, well, obviously I, as Sean McVay, would create a package of plays for Justin Fields because <laughs> I can gain an advantage out of doing that. And I think in a way that maybe he is – he's not really – understanding what I, I interpret as what Matt Nagy doing here. And I think Matt Nagy is not going to have a package of plays. I think Matt Nagy is going to try to get Andy Dalton, to run his offense and try to get some sort of continuity going through this first couple of weeks with him. And I'm not seeing reports of Justin Fields getting a ton of reps in the ones. I'm not seeing any kind of inkling about how maybe he's got a package or something like that. I think this is all about Andy Dalton. The only way that we're going to see Justin Fields is if, Dalton throws three pick six, three early in the game, or or Dalton gets hurt. Uh, so I actually don't think that we're going to see Justin Fields. I, I do think this is a complete Andy Dalton game.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree. I did see McVay's comments as well. I was going to bring him up with Jordan. Uh, he made those today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, but I know everybody wants to see Justin Fields. I do too, right? Quite frankly, yeah, I I think he should be starting the game regardless because that's a conversation for another day, but I, I, I believe that's the case. Um, I think overall he gives the bears the best chance to win, but Andy Dalton is also the best thing Chicago's had under center since Jay Cutler left. Right. And both statements can be true and are true. So I would like to see what Dalton can do. Um, I'm very interested to see what Nagy can do. And it's not just the designing of plays. It's about the play calling rhythm that I've brought up many times on this show. How can he respond? How can he make halftime adjustments against what is going to be a tough assignment in the Rams? They have uh, elite players. We just talked to Jordan about how good the coaching staff is. Yeah. There is an opportunity here that maybe they're going to have some rough edges and you need to be able to exploit that. Can Matt Nagy do that with the plays with the pieces he has in place? If he does, this could be competitive, but, uh, well, I don't want to presage predictions. Uh, what's your worst case scenario for this game?
1: I I mean, I think that the Bears could get blown out because I, I I think that you have to worry about this offense just not having any continuity up front. That That offensive line just has not practiced together much. You have, you know, you have a guy that, like you said last time, literally pulled from the river uh uh in jason peters who's you know clearly
2: let's be clear fishing not as a dead body (laughs) well that's how you said it last time and it was
1: really (laughs) funny and and you know obviously he's an incredible talent but the guy is up there in age you don't know exactly what you know he's going to have in the tank in terms of a four quarters even you know what is he going to look like uh trying to get through the full script of offensive plays for for four quarters you know again we feel good about Cody White here but like the rest of the line's really up in the air and these guys haven't played together as a starting five yet and so that that's going to be an issue and this Rams defensive line is going to be one of the better ones that they find with the best player in the NFL you want to say it's Patrick McCombs that's fine but Aaron Donald is like at least the top two defensive player in uh, top two player period in the league right now. Like he is an amazing player. And so that worries me because do you feel like those Interior to offensive linemen can at least handle you know, limit Donald. I mean, handles even like too strong of a strong of a word. And you know, any sort of new quarterback wide receiver combination is going to have time to you know get out the kinks, just like we talked about with Stafford throwing to Cooper Cup and Bobby Trees. Like you know, you have some time where Andy Dalton is going to have to build that rapport with Darnell Mooney and with Allen Robinson and. I, you know, looks like Marquise Goodwin maybe is the wide receiver three. It, you know, hopefully that happened over camp. Uh, but I didn't necessarily see enough in the preseason to say, oh, yeah, these guys are all on the same page. And, and you know, the wide receivers were terrible when, we were <laughs> when I was there in camp. So I think that this could be one of those, like, terrible offensive performances for the Bears, which is going to start the Justin Fields conversation even earlier. And on defense, like, that's some very nice things that were said about Sean Desai. And we all believe in him, but you know, this this unit is not without concerns. We've talked at length about what's happening at cornerback two, what's happening at the nickel corner spot. Those are gonna get tested by Matthew Stafford and this really good route running group of receivers. Like these guys are precise in their routes. And so I, I think that this could be a situation where it's it's kind of the, the Bears are laughed out of LA.
2: Yeah. Everything we've said about the Rams in terms of gelling, coming together, learning the system, the same thing needs to be applied. The same filter needs to be applied to the bears and Sean Desai, right? He's a new defensive coordinator. Yes. He's been involved with the defense, but it's his first time calling the shots as a coordinator. And maybe the bears defense doesn't gel as quickly, or maybe they have a few gaps as, as Jordan, you know, inferred with the whole solar system model and, you know, Precise routes, Matthew Stafford, couple of gaps. You could give up a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter very easily to this passing attack with some missed assignments or some late assignments. And if that's the case in the Rams building on Sunday night, like this could get gross quickly. Fans back in the building for the first time in a year, and you know, they take a 14 0 lead in the first quarter, it's gonna be rough compound that with the offensive line struggles that you talked about if the bears lose the ability to run the ball if they are inefficient in that way david montgomery's not seeing any holes and they go one-dimensional against this defense with pass rush up front that they have and the secondary it's going to be tough sledding very quickly if you put the bears strictly into passing downs with very little hope of disguising that the rams are going to eat So the Bears need to hold their line through the first quarter, quarter and a half and not go down a couple of scores in order for this thing to be a game. If they go down quickly early and get one dimensional, it's not going to get better for them. I I don't care who they bring in at quarterback. So
1: yeah. On the the flip side, I think that this game can obviously any game can be won in the NFL. You have professional football players on both sides. I mean, it absolutely can happen, especially week one it you know it kind of alludes to what jordan was talking about earlier with you know is stafford going to be completely on the same page or is he going to you know not necessarily have all of the steps down bears defense has to take the ball away and they have to score like this, yeah. this is going to be one of those where they they have to put points on the board
2: If Eddie Jackson grabs one, conversely, if we're going to flip that around, if he grabs one in the first quarter, because, again, the gaps are on the Rams' side, not the Bears' side, and he takes it back 60 yards and scores, which we all know he's very capable of doing, and we hope he returns to that form this year. I think a lot of signs are pointing in that direction. The Bears go up early, 7-0 on a defensive score on the road, that building gets a little bit quiet. Like, hey, right. are all these changes good? Is this working? And then they've got a chance. They've got a foothold. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but that's the kind of thing I agree they need to do to keep this one close. Yep, absolutely. So, what do you got for predictions? Um, uh, I mean, I it's a step if you want to say bagging on predictions, I'm fine because neither one of us love predictions. We're not great
1: on predictions, but I'll say this: I, I and, and don't think that we're just trying to take the easy way out, but like. They're seven and a half point underdogs. Like that is a huge number. Yeah. And I do not want to bet this game. I'll just put it that way. Like I don't, I don't like to bet against the bears and I do not want to bet this game. Like seven and a half points, <laughs> seven and a half points is a lot in a professional football game. And I just think that there are so many paths to the bears, not covering that, that I'm that I would worry about put betting the bears on this one.
2: Yeah, I, I think the hopes in this one are slim, not impossible. Right. And sure. the, the slim hopes, the any given Sunday kind of hopes that I have are, and this happens every year. Week one is a shit show. Yep. Right. Week one is all over the boards, and everybody overreacts to week one, in which all the teams are getting their feet under them, you know, getting their legs back, getting in game shape, figuring out everything that's new, doing all the meshing that. Hopefully they did in camp or can, trying to continue that, and we get these wild results in week one, and everybody's like, "Oh, I thought blank was going to be good, and they got blown out by twenty points." Everything starts to normalize. It it goes into week two as well. There's less of those results in week two, but there's always those results in week two as well. Then people start to panic. Blank is zero and two. Oh, I thought they were gonna. I thought they were gonna win the division. They're zero and two. If those aren't division games, it'll hold. So, my only hope is that there's some week 1 variance. Everybody getting their feet on them. The Bears capitalize. They get the bounces. Maybe it's an Eddie Jackson pick. Maybe it's a Khalil Sack, uh Khalil Mack, you know, strip sack fumble with Stafford. He knows that guy. He knows how he moves. Maybe he pulls the ball away a couple of times like he did, you know, a couple of years ago. Those are the things that can turn games and really make this result like I thought the Rams were going to blow the Bears out and here right. the one a close one. Like that's my hope is that they take advantage of the week one variance. They get some of those I didn't think they could make that play plays before everybody sort of stabilizes and gets their house in order and they and they steal one on the road. Like that would be great. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I'm with you. I'm not putting folding money on this game. Well, we're back. Football's
1: back, man. I mean, we are close to the opener. It's going to be fun to go through another year with you. I'm excited. Uh, Good beer, good bourbon, even if we have to drink some bourbon to uh, you know commiserate as well. Uh, I'm excited to bring readers, people that want to read actual words, uh, a couple of articles this year. I'm doing 10 Thoughts on the NFL. Lester uh, uh, handed that over to me. I've got one out right now where I use Ted Lasso quotes to – Prompt each so my ten thoughts, and so I uh, that that was fun, and so we'll continue to do that. I've got a stats article coming out on Wednesday, so by the time you hear this, it's already old news. But I'm going to try to be doing that every every week, just trying to put together a stats article, just a way to visualize the game. Again, trying to find ways to talk about the game in ways that I think are, are interesting, um, and then Lester and I will be coming to you on Tuesday morning, um, where we will be doing a game review. Uh, each week uh, called Bear and Bounce. So be looking for that
2: and maybe some other fun stuff along the way. Uh, What about you? Well, I just want to say before we move on to any of that that I am here for it. I am here for all of that. I'm here for the ten thoughts articles. I can't wait to hear you and Lester on a pod two of the first guys that I ever did podcasts with together um I'm lucky enough to have you know sat in a room with two of you and drank beers and talked about football and I imagine it's gonna sound a lot like that and i couldn't couldn't be more excited for all that so super psyched for the increased, uh, amount of volume and exposure that that's going to come for you this year. Um, well-deserved stuff for me. I'm going to quit, uh, this podcast, uh, since we've been on for an hour and 15 minutes and I'm going to take about a half hour break. I'm going to eat something. And I'm going to record two bootleg episodes. Then I'm going to work for a couple days and then I'm going to fly to Vegas. Uh, going to be in Vegas for week one with bootleg be hanging out doing a little bit of work for caesars uh going to a college football party uh at a sports book down there watching some games at the caesar sports book on sunday and then monday is the big event uh first game with full fans in the raider stadium ravens raiders monday night to kick it off for week one uh we'll be there um and then come home and for week two, uh, the Titans are coming to Seattle and we're going to be doing some stuff with field goals. Uh, the SB nation podcast that covered the Seahawks, my good buddy, Brandon Scholes and his troop of, uh, Mary revelers are going to do some stuff on the Saturday prior to the game. Uh, and then be at that game as well. And, uh, Brett and his wife are flying up as well. So we're going to be in a block of, uh, Seahawks ticket holders, watching, uh, the Titans and, and Julio Jones and all those guys take on russell wilson or the hawks so that's going to be a ton of fun it's going to be a uh energized kickoff to the season but we're rolling it's here and it's going to go for you know 18 straight weeks uh before we get into the playoffs which is pretty darn cool pretty it's an awesome time of year absolutely All right, and with that, we will get out of here. We know we've kept you for just about an hour and 15 minutes, but uh, having Jordan on, well worth it to spend the extra time. We will endeavor to bring great guests all season on to Bears Over Beers uh, in our new preview iteration, but this was a hell of a kickoff, and I'm super glad we were able to get it done. So in the meantime, uh, buckle up and bear down, Bears fans. It's going to be super fun. Enjoy the game in Los Angeles, no matter what happens, and we will be right back here talking to you next week.